Hello, what's going on? Howie Spangler. This is episode 103 of Tales from the Green Room podcast. I am at a lake house somewhere in Michigan. Uh, our merch guy has the hookup. So here we are. We're on a Diamond Lake in uh, Cassopolis. I assume that's how you say that. Um, yeah, we're not far from like Illinois and Indiana. Um, if I know my geography, which I do not, but I did look at a map this morning and it looks like we're pretty close, just a few hours from Chicago. And, um, yeah, uh, so just got a couple days off here, just chilling. Uh, today's a special day. Um, I wanted to get a, an episode in this week anyway, but today was uh, seemed proper, seemed like a fit because... Uh, two years ago today, February 25th, 2018, I uploaded my first episode of Tales from the Green Room podcast. And um, yeah, two years, you know, as if as if episode 100 wasn't uh, milestone enough. Uh, here we are. 103 episodes later, two years. Uh, and I got to say, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been very, um, I've learned a lot and, uh, you know, people come up to me now and they, you know, nightly at the shows and they say like, dude, I love the podcast. I love love that episode where, you know, wherever. And they talk about whatever episode they loved. Uh, you know, people asking for stickers and I see people wearing the merch, you know, the t-shirt, um, when they come to the Ballyhoo table. You know, it's just, I don't know, it's just really neat. It's just something that I started as um, just another way to get my thoughts out there, you know, create. I've come to realize that if I'm not creating something, I'm not happy. I'm not in a happy place. Um, and it just feels like there's something missing constantly. You know, it's like this. It's like being a vampire that thirst for blood, you know, the, the thirst doesn't go away for creative types. You're always looking for something else. You're always trying to fill some, some void within, you know, and I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing, if that's a sign of something bad <laughs> or, you know, uh, I need to probably go see a therapist maybe and figure this out. But um, nonetheless, I enjoy doing it. I, I love doing it. I love the feeling of uh, not being done, you know? Um, you know, before I get into all this, let's, uh, I'll cover all this in the episode, but um, let's chat real quick. Going to be in uh, Lombard, Illinois tomorrow with uh, Ayaterra, Ballyhoo and Ayaterra doing a show at the Brower House and selling really well. Um, we've got, I think, more more than half the room sold out right now. So grab your tickets um, and uh, come hang out with us. We've been looking forward to this one a lot. Uh, snow, impending storm. I'm not sure what to expect. Um, you know, it's, I guess it's supposed to pick up tonight. It's been snowing all day, but it's not sticking at all. I heard that it's supposed to pick up later. Um time will tell so we're going to be monitoring and uh, you know hopefully it's not a big issue so uh 
as of now, the show is still happening. So grab tickets, come hang out, ballyrocks.com, get the tickets for that. Uh, we're out here on the Iration um, Heat Seekers Tour. It's, it's uh, Ballyhoo Iration, Ayaterra, and the Reese Brothers. And it's been a lot of fun. We haven't toured with Iration in uh, nine years. It was February 2011, and uh, we had a great time on that tour. And uh, what I came to realize was, and maybe this is why we haven't toured with Iration in so long, but um, we were sort of getting in our own way. You know, like when you, uh, I don't know, maybe that's something else. Maybe there's something else for the podcast here. So I'm going to wait to talk about this. I think I've got a lot to say and I don't want to make this intro insanely long. I try to keep these intros under 10 minutes, but uh, anyway, uh, so the tour has been great and uh, meeting a lot of people and a lot of new people seeing the band for the first time. And um, that's a great feeling. And, uh, you know, the follows are going up on Instagram and we're, you know, our monthly listeners are back up on Spotify and we're up you know, near 330,000 right now for this month. Uh, just all good things. You know, Fighter came out uh, a little over a week ago and it's been that was incredible. And I'll talk about that. Um, yeah, lots to talk about in this episode. Let's, you know what? Let's just get to it. Uh, no more, no more of this bullshit intro. How about that? Let's just get into it. Episode 103, Tales from the Green Room Podcast. All right. Well, here we are. Um, so I wanted to start this episode off by, uh, playing a little bit. I want to play the the little intro from um from the first episode of uh, Tales. I called it uh, "So You Want to Start a Band." Check this out. What's up, everybody? How's it going? This is Howie Spangler, and welcome to the first episode of Tales from the Green Room. I'm excited. Are you excited? Yeah. All right. Let's fucking do this shit. Just wanted to uh, maybe drop some knowledge, um, maybe give some helpful tips. I get a lot of questions from. Uh, from young bands that are just starting out, you know, on, on how to, how to kind of, you know, make it. I've got the quotations up, you know, my, around my head there. Um, and, uh, you know, whatever your version of making it is, um, I don't know. I just kind of figured maybe I could help out. I've been in the, uh, I've been in the business for about 23 years or so. I started this band with my brother when I was 14 in our mom's basement. And, uh, you know, just, from playing in the basement every day to uh, making flyers and running down to 7-Eleven and making photocopies and putting them up wherever we could and trying to convince our bass player's mom to let us have a punk rock show in her basement, um, playing VFWs to playing clubs in Baltimore and um, to, you know, MySpace and Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and going on tour with 311 and doing warp tour. Like we've been through a lot, you know? Um, and, uh, I don't know. I thought maybe this could help out, uh, if you're, you know, wanting to get into all this. Um, so I figured, uh, why not start with, uh, with this? All right. So you want to start a band? You want to start a band? Okay. All right. Okay. Get ready. Get ready. <clears throat> okay, so uh, <laughs> what a cornball! Oh man, listen, that, listen to me. That was two years ago. Two years ago, when I was young and vibrant, I sound like a 
sound like a, a newborn boy there. Uh, just, you know, realizing his dreams. Innocent. You know? It's, uh, it's interesting to hear, hear that, actually. That's the first time I've heard that in two years. And, um, yeah, you could see that I was very, uh, very, I don't know, obviously I've been on stage since I was 15, but it's funny. It's like a new, it was a new thing and it just sounds so like, so green. I got to say that, I have to say that my, my speech, my speaking hasn't really improved. I can hear that right off the top. (laughs) I still throw out so many uhs and ums, but you know, that's, uh, maybe that's another two years. Maybe in two years I'll be, I'll be the best speaker I've ever been. But, um, yeah, man, what a, what a wild, uh, wild ride it's been. I've, I'm, um, I'm so grateful and thankful for everybody that's been listening to this show. And, um, you know, again, this was just something that I did to maybe try to help young bands, artists, you know, and not even bands, just people, creative types in general to sort of learn how to realize their dream, like make it, make it something, uh, something tangible. And, um, you know, just sort of, you know, just by, by telling stories and talking, talking to other artists and, uh, creatives. And, you know, I've had so many wonderful guests, you know, on here to talk about their story and, you know, like Eric Rachmani of revolution and Rome Ramirez of sublime with Rome, uh, just had Nick Hexum from 311 for episode 100. And, um, you know, Finn McKenty, who's a, a, who's a YouTuber about punk rock, um, does, does, uh, his channel is all about punk rock and music and metal and all that. And, um, you know, just, uh, people that, <clears throat> people that are all, you know, fundamentally we're on, we're on the same path. We're looking for a way to express ourselves and, and take ourselves out of the sandbox, you know, like put ourselves on our own path and carve out our own way in our own little nook in this life, you know, um, because we don't want to be, we don't want to live the nine to five life. And many of us had to do that, you know, while pursuing this dream and, and, um, and as awful as it was, you know, it's, I can look back personally, I can look back and, you know, I hated all those jobs, but it's, it makes me appreciate it more, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, so it, this was just a way for me to, to talk about all that. And, and hopefully if you're new to this, or you're working on something for yourself, uh, this, this will push you in the right direction. And, um, you know, what I've, what I've seen a lot of is like, people don't understand or they don't think that they can, they can achieve what's in their head. Um, and I've, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that, that will push that negative mindset onto you. Um, or at least try to, because, you know, I I think that most people have some sort of dream or goal, you know, it doesn't have to be 
stardom, you know. But I think a lot of people think about a better life or like, you know, <clears throat> I'd love to sit around and just talk about video games all day. You know, you can do that. You can absolutely do that. We definitely live in a world now, you know, more than ever where that's completely possible. You could talk about video games from 1985 on Nintendo and make a living off of that, you know, via YouTube or, you know, podcast or something. And, you know, it's, you can teach people how to cook, you know, like it's, there's all the wild stuff you can, you know, if, if you know how to fix cars, man, you could put yourself on YouTube and you would get so many views, you know, I don't know how many times like I have been stuck like on Pro Tools or Logic. And, and for, if you don't know what that is, it's a, these are programs that we use to record. Um, and I've been stuck on some weird thing. Like something happens and I don't know how to fix it. Like it's something, it's one of these weird, like, uh, like I get in this, a mode or something like um, that I'm not used to or can't figure out like, Okay, for instance, this is kind of vague, I know. So for instance, like there's one thing where like I'll hit a shortcut key on my keyboard because I move really fast and my big stupid fingers just kind of gloss over the keys and I'll, I'll brush and hit something by accident. And one of these problems that I have is I'll hit this key and it causes my locator, my playhead locator, which is that when you hit space bar, it plays or records. And the, the playhead is sort of like that that line that shows you where you are on the timeline. Um, and there's a button you can hit that changes how that locator uh, reacts and like what it does. So you can have it go like, I prefer when I hit space bar, like when I stop playback, I want my playhead to go back to the same spot that it started from. Right. So I can just keep, if, if there's a spot that I'm trying to like fix it just, it'll keep playing the same spot over and over for me so I can listen and fix what I need to accordingly. But there's a button you can hit that make, that changes that mode. So like it'll, if you hit space bar and stop the playback, it'll play, it, the next time you hit play, it'll play from that location that it was stopped at. Um, not the previous location that, you know, so I can keep just hitting space bar and just repeat the same space. So it, I don't know if I can, if you can wrap your brain around that if you're not, if you don't know what this program is, but it's super annoying for me. I prefer the other way. And I hit this damn, I don't know what button I'm hitting. Like it's like shit like that. So like, um, but there's certain problems like that, these little tiny things. And there's not a video for that on YouTube. And this was the whole point of me saying this earlier. Um, is that there are certain problems that we encounter all the time that if you go to look on YouTube, I mean, you can find pretty much anything on YouTube, right? But every now and then you'll, you can't find the solution you're looking for, right? And if you're one of those people that knows the solution, right? You can create a video. You can make a video of how to fix that thing and put it up and you'll get tons of views. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. Like you're creating value for people. And some of you might think like, well, I don't really know anything or I don't do anything that, 
would be anything of value. Well, I think you're wrong. You know, there's something there. You know, it just depends on what you're going for. To you know, um, this can get really murky. You know, like uh, what I'm speaking on right now. But like, it just depends on the the thing that that you're good at. You can take the thing that you're good at and you can you can monetize it. You know, but uh, the other thing that people get mixed up with and frustrated by is, you know, you may hear that, oh, you can, you can do anything, right? But you have to put in the time and the work. And, you know, especially when I say the time, like, I don't mean weeks or days or months. Like, it takes years for things to pop off. And, and I understand the frustration. If, if, you know, you want things to move quicker, but I'm here to tell you that that's just not the way. Um, there are certain things that if done properly, things can pop off rather quickly. You know, like I think like if you do a fitness channel, like on YouTube or something, a lot of people are looking for ways to easy, quick ways to, you know, do a workout or ways to eat better, things like that. And if your content is good, you know, that's such a wide um, subject topic, you know, that, that it may catch on faster than, uh, you know, your Pokemon card collection or something. I, I don't know, but <clears throat> You know, what, what doesn't change is the fact that you got to put in the work, you got to put in the time and it's completely possible to, to do this stuff. And so for instance, I started this band 25 years ago with my brother and it's insane to think about that, to wrap my brain around 25 years of Ballyhoo and the idea that I've been going for that long, you know, playing shows and you know, we didn't start touring until uh, nearly 14 years ago in, in April, um, 2006. I mean, even that's a long time, you know, but to think that, you know, 11 years before that, um, you know, we were playing shows locally and putting, making some, like records and things. It's, it's wild. It's wild. Um, <clears throat> But it's all because I love what I do. You know, I love being in a band. I love writing music, singing, playing guitar, being on stage, you know, and that that endless pursuit of, um, like I said, wanting to fill that void every day. And it just turned into years of work. And have I been frustrated and wanted to rip my hair out and, blow things up. Yeah. Many, many times, you know, more times probably than I've been stoked on what I'm doing. You know, that might sound weird, but you, you know, you, I was setting myself up for heartbreak a lot because I didn't understand, you know, I, I, in my head, it's always been just go, go, go. Don't think about it. Just go. Right. But, you know, I started this when I was young. So there were those dreams of being on MTV and being on Rolling Stone and being on the radio and playing on The Tonight Show, 
you know, that was all there, getting signed to a record label, making, making the big money and having everything I've ever wanted. Yes. That, that was, I was a teenager when I started this band. So those are all natural feelings. You know, I wanted to be Molly, like Molly crew, you know? And, um, it became, I was like, wow, this is a lot harder. And this, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And, um, you know, it took a long time to wrap my brain around like, oh, like this is not, that only happens to, you know, a, a select few, you know, and it's all for different reasons, but all for, you know, if there was one thing that, was, that, that all those, big rock stars had in common was that they put in the work, you know, those guys were out there in back in the eighties and nineties, like putting up posters and, you know, getting themselves, getting people aware of the band and playing shows and, and just doing it, you know, living the life. Um, there's definitely a little bit of luck involved, you know, but uh, luck is, is interesting because there's, there's definitely like serendipitous moments where you happen to be in the right place at the right time, meet the right person. Um, you know, which also takes me to, it's all who, you know, which is, it is very true that, uh, you need to know people may not be all who, you know, but it's definitely who, you know, there's that, that is definitely a component. Um, and, uh, you need to align yourself with people that can either work for you or, um, or people that want to help push you, you know, like even if it's family members or friends or other artists that, you know, the, the mutual support, you know, the, the, the drive to the kind of like the camaraderie that you're helping each other, you're pushing each other, you know, but you also want to meet the people that can help make things happen for you. Uh, you know, people with, with connections, you know, get yourself a network, create a network and don't be a dick and just be, be cool to everybody because you never know. I mean, I know people that, uh, were, you know, basically nobody, you know, in their field, you know, starting at the bottom. I know people that started at the bottom and are now, uh, in high places, at major record labels, you know, or radio because they put in the work, you know, like I, I put in the work do, doing what it's take, what it takes to be in a band. And these people did what they had to do, made the moves they had to make, uh, to get to the top of that record label or, you know, to the top of that, uh, radio or, or whatever it is. Um, you know, they went on their path and they, they did it. And, you know, I can still, talk to some of these people because it was never a competition. It was never, you know, I always was, I was always nice to people and they remember that people remember, man, there are people, there are artists or, or whatever that I knew back in the day. There's definitely a few that either weren't very nice or just obviously didn't give a fuck about me or what I was doing you know, or, you know, something like that. And I have gone further than they have. And 
now they want to get favors or now that, you know, Hey, what's going on, man? It's like, Oh yeah, I remember you. People remember the dickheads. They really do. And I think it's very important to, uh, just stay on your path, but have respect for others and their paths. And like I said, it's not a competition, man, especially with bands, like, especially today, you know, like just, we're all in this doing the same thing. There's plenty of room for everybody. You know, there's no reason to have any, any weirdness or, you know, make friends, make friends. Um, so I kind of went off on a little, little tangent there, but, um, you know, it, it, it's two years and 103 episodes in to this podcast. You know, I was doing the band thing for years, still am, of course. Uh, and, you know, it wasn't enough. And there was this medium, uh, podcast, audio, and it just seemed like the right thing to do. Like, I'll just go on and I'll just record myself talking about this stuff my experiences and I'm going to upload it and see what happens. And people started sending me messages like, wow, this is really great. Like, thanks for doing this. And it just pushed me to go, go harder with it. And, uh, like I said, I've had a ton of great guests and everybody's got the same sort of story. Like fundamentally, you know, we put in the work, we didn't sleep. We, you know, we, we play all the shows, you know, met the people, we, this, this, was supposed to happen and it didn't, you know, the, everybody's got their, the, the, the shitty things that happen and everybody has the wonderful things that happen. But, um, it's, it's fun to hear that stuff because it makes you, it sort of validates what it validates what I'm doing, you know, like, well, then this has to be right, you know? Um, and when, especially when like listeners see me at the merch table, or send me DM on Instagram, you know, thanking me or whatever. It's just like a good feeling, man. It's like, I feel like a feeling of uh, accomplishment, um, pride. Uh, you know, every time I hit the upload button and the shit goes live, it, it's like another one in the can. It's an accomplishment. It's like, all right, cool. And I seriously, like, I start to feel like, um, agitated and I get like kind of anxious if I don't do a podcast or work on a song, you know, or something that, you know, that I, I've built my career around, you know? Um, and I, I love that because it's just, it's the, it's like, man, this shit's never going to end. Like I said, it's like the, uh, the vampire, the thirst, you know, you, you never quench the thirst. It's like, you get it done and then not too soon after you're, uh, or wait, yeah, not too soon. Is that, did I say that right? <laughs> soon after, uh, you're, you're getting the, the thirst again, you know, you, you're ready to do it again. And, um, I just love that. And if you're not feeling that about whatever you're doing, it's probably the wrong thing, right? Um, we all have to work. We all have to make our money. And some of us have families. And, uh, 
you know, there's a lot of people that are just getting started or maybe don't know how to start and they've got a cool idea. They just don't know how to get going. Um, but they've got a family and a job and, and all of that is totally, that's real and obviously not going to go away. And, uh, you love your family, you know, you may not love your job. Um, but you have to decide, okay, well, do I want to, do I want to stay here? Do I want to live this life? Um, and not the family thing. I'm talking about the, the job and, you know, uh, is this making me happy? If the answer is no, and you have a cool idea and there's something else you'd really like to do, but you know, that, but is what gets us. Uh, but I got to make this much money. You know, I can't just quit the job. And well, here's my answer to that. You don't quit the job until you can quit the job. Okay. You, you have to work the job. You have to be a, a father or a mother. Um, you know, there, you have to do those things, but you also have to do the thing. You have to work on the craft, the thing that you want to do. You have to work on that after hours. Okay. So are you, uh, what are you doing after you put the kids to bed? Are you grabbing a snack and watching Netflix or are you learning how to play piano because you want to be a piano player on YouTube or whatever, you know, you want to do piano covers. Like what are you doing with your time after the kids are in bed and you know, everything's done. And I know some people it's like, Oh man, well I got to get up at three in the morning. I'm a nurse, you know, and nurses work insane hours, you know, and it, it really is like, it's up to you. You know, I can, I can say, well, you know, you just got to work. You got to work on it after the shift, you know, who wants to, who wants to do anything after, you know, a 14, 16 hour shift or whatever it is, you know? Um, I, I get that, you know, there's levels like it's going to be more of a challenge for someone because I believe that you need to get sleep for sure. You know, I don't think anybody, I really don't think anybody needs eight or nine hours of sleep. I really don't. I feel like I can operate on six hours of sleep. I don't know about you, but, uh, I actually find the sweet spot for me is like about six hours. And I'm, I'm fine. Anything after that, I want, like I'm groggy. I want to sleep longer, you know, um, three or four hours of sleep. That's tough. That's tough. Um, so it's, you have to sort of prioritize, you know, and for me, the longer that I'm away from the thing that, that makes me money, um, the longer I'm away from that, uh, you know, the longer it takes for me in the end to make more money, you know, or expand. Um, it's not really about making money. I'm just kind of saying that like, you know, this is how I make my money. But 
you know, uh, in the words of someone, not in the exact words, but uh, this guy, Gary V, who I, I, I think if you're not listening to Gary Vaynerchuk, you should go check him out on his YouTube channel. He's everywhere. He's always on every platform. But one of the things that he says is uh, he gets me fired up. You know, you can make a hundred grand a year, you know, working at a government job or you know, being whatever it is, but you're not necessarily happy. That's great. You have the money, but you can also be really happy making 40 grand a year or 50 grand a year, you know, like if that's, if that's what the, 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 you know, your dream, the, the kind of feel that you're trying to get into, like you can be happier. Like, and I feel like there's something to, um, there's something to that. Like if I think if we all felt better about ourselves and what we were doing, that money wouldn't matter so much. Obviously we need enough to live and it'd be nice to be able to do things with the family and not feel stretched. But do you need a hundred K? Do you need, you know, if it's, if that means you got to go do some job that you hate, you know, and if you are happy, you know, if you're fine, if you're, if you're making decent money and you like your job, you already won, you know, there's no, you don't have to, be an artist or pursue that, that life. You know, you don't, you don't need to do that. If you're already happy, if you're truly happy, then you've already won, you know, and then this, this podcast is just entertainment for you <laughs> to, you know, listen to all my shit. But, um, you know, if you get, if you really think about what you're doing, it, you know, do you love photography? Do you, uh, do you want to be a chef? Do you want to, um, do you just love toys from the eighties? You know, do you have an, a vast knowledge of Ninja Turtles and He-Man toys and, and Mattel and all that? And like, I mean, you can, you can build a career around that. Hey everybody, quick promo right here. Shameless, shameless as ever. The new Ballyhoo song fighter is out now. Uh, it includes Dark Sunglasses, California King, and Renegade, the previous singles from the last year. We wanted to put them all together so you had them in one place. We're super excited to have this out. We, it's completely DIY. We did it all ourselves uh, from recording to production to mixing to mastering and release. We did it all ourselves, and we're very proud of it. If you haven't checked it out yet, please go stream it wherever you listen to music. Spotify, Apple Music, and everywhere else. It's Fighter by my band, Ballyhoo. Uh, we love you, and we hope to see you at the shows. Thank you so much. A lot of people say, how? How do I do it? How do I, what do I do? How do I get this going? Well, the most important thing is just start, okay? Start. That That's the easiest thing. You know, once you realize, like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, do that. I'm going to make this first episode. I'm just going to, that's what I did with the podcast. You know, I was already well into my career with the music, with this band. Right. Um, and I'd wanted to do a podcast for a while, but I just wasn't sure what exactly I would talk about or, uh, if anyone would like it. Um, if anyone would listen, you know, and how do I do it? Like, what should I do? And sometimes I'll get so, uh, 
uh, I'll overthink things and I like things to be perfect at first. You know, that's one of my biggest problems. I'm always like trying to make things like perfect. You know, as soon as this first, I want to have the cover art, like everything's going to be dope. Like before I go live with this, it's got to be rad and, um, it needs to be perfect. And that was holding me back. And once I decided like, all right, you know what? Just, I don't even have art for this yet. I'm just going to, I'll find something on, you know, some royalty free. I'll find a picture of a beach with some palm trees on it and I'll slap. I use some, I'll find a cool font and tales from the green room podcast. Boom. Cover art. You know, I'll figure it out later. Right. Um, I've since come up, I drew my own art after a while and now I've kind of got this little branded pineapple there. So people recognize it like that took a while, you know, it wasn't from the first episode. Um, I, uh, as far as like getting started, I was like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to go down to the studio one day and my studio is in my basement. I'm just going to go down there. I'm going to record myself talking about starting a band and things that I would do differently or, you know, things that I've learned, like what you should do, things you should look for you know, the, the types of people that, that you should work with to get in your, to start your band with. I'm going to talk about all that stuff, record it. And I'm just going to put it up there as episode one and see what happens. And I did it. I did it. And it went really well. People loved it. Right. I was, I was stoked. I, it was very well received and it was just me saying, all right, fuck it. Let's just do it. You know, like you have to like get over yourself a little bit. There's a little bit of like ego in the way and uh, fear. You know, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of like factors that that'll keep you from doing something, you know, wondering what others are going to think about it. Get over that too, because that's, that doesn't matter. None of that matters. You know, there's people with unsupportive family members, you know, unsupportive friends. And it's really because those people are, miserable. I mean, they say misery loves company. That's, that's true. It's a, that's a real thing. People try to pull you down to the level, you know, they don't want, they don't want, they can't be happy for others. Um, so they just push this negative energy out there and they make you feel like whatever you're going to do, isn't going to be right either, or it's not going to work. And that is one of my biggest, like I call it, I call it small minds. I, I, I really, uh, I'm stressed out and frustrated by people with small minds. I'm not saying that those people are idiots or stupid or, you know, it's not, it's not so much like a judgment thing. It's more like, just like, why, why are you like that? Why are you so, uh, what is it? Obtuse maybe like, why does it have to be like that? Why like try to be positive, you know? And, when people want to shut things down like that without really thinking about it or, you know, considering the possibilities, you know, coming up with solutions instead of naming all the bad things that could happen. You know, what about solutions? What about like, okay, how do we get around this? You know? And I've had, I've definitely had plenty of moments where I'm still learning about myself. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be 40 this year and I'm, still learning things and trying to be a better person. And many, many times 
you know, where I've had a knee jerk reaction and it's like, ah, fuck it. Nah, whatever. Never mind. We're not doing it. You know, when I come up with an idea and the people around me are like, ah, fuck that. There's this and there's that, blah, blah, blah. eh," That annoys the shit out of me. Like, have you even considered it? You haven't given this any thought. You literally said that, boom, right there. You know, as opposed to like, yeah, let me think about this. You know, it's like, let's think of a solution. Let's, you know, because just naming problems and things that could go wrong, uh, it's just, it's, it's counterproductive. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't think of those things. There are certainly many situations where you want to consider everything, all the possibilities and even the negative possibilities, the, the bad things. But, you know, maybe there's a way, maybe there's a way around, maybe there's a different way you could try it or, you know, whatever. Like that, that's, that's such a big pet peeve for me. Um, I try to be optimistic. You know, you need to be realistic for sure, but um, there's more than one way to get something done. And uh, if you're by yourself and you're trying to start something, then you have, there's no one to tell you what to do. What, and you know what I'm saying? Like if you're in a group, it's a kind of a, it's a democracy. It should be a democracy. There's a, there's a group effort. It's a, um, you know, everybody has a say and everybody, you know, can weigh in. Uh, at some point, someone has to make the call, but um, but when you're starting something on your own, like I do with my podcast, it's like I can do whatever the fuck I want. There's no there's no rules here, you know. Um, but it was just me starting. It was just me getting it going and not worrying about what people thought. You know, I don't necessarily like my voice when I speak. If I listen to my voice back, you know, it can be cringy sometimes to me. Um, and I know a lot of people have that. Um, when I do videos for YouTube, I'm like constantly like checking my hair and shit and like (laughs) making sure I don't have zits or, you know, or weird marks on my face or anything like that, you know, and most people don't even care, you know, uh, it's just, you have to just get over that and, and just, just do it. And, you know, for you guys that want to make videos, you know, about your, your, uh, garbage pail kid collection you know you have a, a production studio in your pocket it's your phone it's got a good camera on it you know when when i started doing all that stuff i was using my i was using my phone and the phone is great but eventually you can upgrade to like some more dedicated stuff like a better camera get a good mic for it like things like that the podcast the podcast the all the money that i've gotten from the podcast from the support um, has gone right back into the pod. So like I was able to buy four nice, very well-priced microphones. I mean, they're only like a hundred bucks. If you're, if you know anything about microphones, like for good mics, they're, they can get super expensive, very high price tag. And the mics that I'm using now, the, the Rode pod mic, actually, I've got four of those. They're only a hundred bucks each. And I got a couple at a time, you know, I didn't get all four at once, but um, and then I got this, the, my podcasting console and had to buy some cables and some mic, mic stands and stuff. All that was over time, 
but it came right back from the money that I was making from the podcast, you know? And I don't make it like a ton of money or anything. That, that's why it took so long, in fact, uh, to get all the gear that I needed for the road. You know, before that, I was kind of using like an old interface and, you know, whatever cables I could find and all different lengths and, you know, uh, it's, you, you can build, but it's, it's all about starting, you know? And as you go, you learn about what worked and what didn't. And, uh, you know, it, it, and understanding that it's going to take a long time to get traction and not to get frustrated. You know, I still only get a couple hundred views maybe on a lot of my videos, you know, unless I'm doing a, a performance like my, my acoustic performances, uh, are the best content on my YouTube channel as far as the numbers go, you know, whether, I mean, it's obviously objective. If you like the vlog stuff better, that's cool too. But, um, but by the numbers, you know, the, the acoustic stuff goes over way better, way more views, you know? Um, so that's another thing. Find out what works, do everything, do everything that's on your mind, put it all out there and whatever works, double down on that. You can figure it out, you know, stick with that. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, so I guess that's what this episode is about. It's, you know, this episode's about just persistence and drive and, um, staying on your path, which is what the song fighter is about. Uh, which by the way, thank you everybody for listening to that. We did, um, we're at like almost 70 K right now in streams at Spotify alone. Um, the Bally hooligans came through. Thank you for listening and helping us meet our goal. We, we, we did 52,000 or something in the first week. Um, so thank you all for that. If you haven't checked it out yet, go to Ballyhoo's page on, um, Apple music or Spotify or wherever, and look up the song fighter. We just put it out and it's, it's about everything that I'm talking about here. Um, you know, just stay on your own path, not listening to anyone and letting them stifle you and just doing, you know, going after the thing that, that you want. Don't settle. Don't settle for the sandbox. You know, this is not, the, we're, we're in a one size fits all society and that's not how we are. We are not a one size fits all type of species. You know, we all have dreams and wants and, you know, our hearts are going in different directions. Um, and I think that we need to uh, learn that about ourselves, embrace it and double down on our hearts. You know, that sounds so fucking cheesy. <laughs> um, but you understand what I'm saying. Man, it's a, uh, I gotta tell you, I'm very happy you know, I always, there's always more. There's always, uh, I always want to keep trying and stretching for things. But um, ultimately, I'm happy. Dude, you understand, like, I was working at warehouses, like, stacking boxes in shipping containers, in trucks. I was... I worked at Saks Fifth Avenue in the Aberdeen warehouse where I used to live, Aberdeen. 
they had a warehouse there and I worked there for, I don't know, it was like uh, almost three years, maybe. Man, I was, oh my God, I was getting like, I was a really good employee. Like I kept giving me raises and shit because I was doing a great job and ended up becoming a lead supervisor. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't want that. Well, like, God, this is like, the money's great. You know, it's like, I mean, granted I was, I was making like two or 300 bucks a week at the time, which isn't terrible at, you know, 19, 20 years old, I guess. But, um, it wasn't, it was obviously it was a warehouse job. I was like, what am I loading trucks for? Why am I getting dirty and gross? I fucking hate this job. I'm a guitar player. I could hurt my hands, you know, like working on these, these conveyor belts and shit. I, like, you know, I was delivering pizzas for Domino's. I had a job where I was making walk-in, walk-in refrigerators for restaurants, you know, um, in some hot fucking tin building in July wearing jeans and steel-toed boots and, you know, protective eyewear. Like, who the fuck wants to do that? Who, you know? I had all kinds, of, I was, I worked at Rite Aid, I was doing forklifts, all these shit warehouse jobs, you know, and it just wasn't for me. It wasn't for me, uh, you know, and I'm doing all this while doing the band stuff, you know, trying to, trying to book shows for the band. We didn't have a booking agent back then. I was doing all the work, you know, um, manage the band, book the band, you know, come up with money to press CDs and make t-shirts or whatever. And, you know, I waited tables uh, for 11 years, you know, on top of these other jobs that I had, you know, because I had more than one job. Um, you know, it was just, it sucked. It was awful, you know. And I got to a point in 2013, actually, I got home from the tour we did with uh, Authority Zero and it was a great tour and just started feeling like, I'm sure it was definitely some ego, some ego definitely got in there, you know, like, dude, I was like total fucking rock God this weekend. And now you're telling me your soup is too cold or your breadsticks are hard. (laughs) And it's, you know, the, the dynamic of that, it keeps you humble. Right. But um, I just knew I couldn't go back to that job, you know, and the people I worked with were great. And that restaurant was awesome for letting me come and go all those years, do the tours and come back. And I'd still have a job. You know, I was very grateful for that. Um, go eat at the olive tree restaurant, the olive tree restaurant. It's in Aberdeen, Maryland, exit 85. It's right off the exit. So next time you're cruising down 95 there, hit exit 85 Aberdeen in Maryland and uh, go to the olive tree. Sickest crab cakes you'll ever eat. Their food is so damn good. Oh my God, it's so good. Um, Anyway, big thank you to them for uh, letting me do what I do. Um, But I knew that I couldn't come back. I was, and I was going to double down and triple down and and really work on the, on the music. And I had a, I know I've talked about this before, but I had a, uh, my son was two at the time. So that was scary. And uh, I think I talked to Danielle about it. And I said, babe, I can't, I can't do this. It's bringing me down. It's more depressing, you know? Like I would rather scrape by 
and be stoked that I'm working on music than, you know, be a little bit more comfortable, just a little bit more comfortable, but having to work, you know, 12 and 14 hour doubles at a restaurant, you know, not doing music. I would rather do all that. You know, I would rather feel like, Oh my God, Oh my God, the money, where's the money. Um, I'd rather feel like that than have to go and work all damn day. You know, I would, I wouldn't see my son at all. You know, it's like people say like, Oh, you're on tour. You must miss your family. Like, yeah, I know. You know what sucked though? Like working a shit job that I hated, um, waiting tables. Not that the restaurant was shitty. I want to make that clear. The place was dope, but I don't, I didn't want to wait tables, you know, like, and I'd see my son in the morning and he'd be asleep when I got home because it was, I'd get home at like 11 at night. You know, I was seeing him less than I do now. It seems, um, you know, so that's what I'm getting at is like, just, I was ready to work and take the leap. You know, you have to, you have to trust yourself. You have to take a chance on yourself, you know, but you have to be willing to work really hard for it. Like you can't half-ass it. If you're going to quit your job, you have to really go for it. And I didn't, like I said, I didn't quit the job until I felt like I was at a point where I was like, all right, there's enough coming in to where I can support a family, you know, but I have to go do more shows and, you know, find acoustic gigs and figure, you know, figure it out. Um, you know, I did what I had to do. Um, you, you can't quit your job and, and then Netflix and chill. That's, that's a complete opposite, you know? Um, so I just want to reinforce that it is very possible, whatever you're trying to do, go do it, you know, be smart about it, but also you're going to have to take some risks, inform risks, you know, learn about what you're about to do, learn about things, but don't, don't get hung up on the consequences, the bad things that that could happen. You know what, you know what I think is bad that could happen is that I don't go 200% and then I wake up 90 years old and I'm disappointed in myself because I didn't go hard because I didn't strive to do the things that I really wanted to do. That would be the ultimate right there. Like, all right, I'm ready to die now. Fuck it. You know what I mean? Like this is, I blew it and I don't want to feel like that. Um, you know, so whatever you're feeling, you know, best, no one else can tell you, you know what you need to do. Um, if you have any questions, please hit me up, follow me at Howie Spangler on Instagram. Uh, drop me a DM. I'm there. I answer every message. If you have questions about this, you don't know how to get started. Hit me up. I'm not one of those guys that that's going to charge you a thousand bucks a month to, you know, for a course, just hit me up. I will give you any answer that I might have. You know what I mean? Just because I want people to feel good about themselves and, and not be so scared to, to take a chance. Um, yeah, you know, uh, oh yeah. The other thing I was talking about, uh, in the beginning of the intro here was, um, the, the tour thyration, uh, where we, 
So we hadn't toured with these guys in nine years. It was 2011, the last time we toured together. And we've done shows, you know, like festivals, but uh, we've never done any sh- any tours with them. And they had offered us in the past. We just weren't able to take them for whatever reason. But um, looking back, you know, I, I remember I've always had this kind of like punk rock attitude towards the music and you know, fuck them. They don't like it. They don't, they don't have to listen. They don't have to come to the shows, whatever. Right. Um, which is still, you know, I still cling to that. But I remember back when we first toured with Iration, we were playing, uh, I thought it was a co-headliner, which means both bands kind of equally build. Um, it's about both bands kind of thing. And when we got onto the tour about a day into it, I realized, oh, this is like their tour and we're like supporting them pretty much um, because the crowds were just like really geared for them, you know? And we had a lot of fans, you know, coming out, but, uh, and I remember our booking agent at the time came to a couple of shows and he was like, dude, you guys are way too heavy. Like you need to play some softer stuff. And this was in the Cheers era, our third record. And we had a lot of, rock and like some punk stuff on there uh, along with some of the reggae stuff we were doing but the previous record had like a lot i guess a lot more of the laid-back reggae stuff that was real popular um in our catalog and we were playing this heavy shit because it was like energy you know like the energy was up and like it was good for the live show but we weren't really tailoring the sets to meet the sort of vibe that we were, that we put ourselves in. And, um, it wasn't even a thought. It wasn't, it was just like, all right, we're going to rock this shit, you know? (laughs) And it turns out just because of the nature of the songs that we were just rocking way too hard. We were like so loud and these people just want to like chill and dance and like, you know, I'm not saying that there weren't people there that didn't appreciate the, punk rock or whatever but iration fans at the time it was like and these guys are these guys come off real like sexy and sweet and like just the vibes cool you know like just cool dudes and like uh the music is is just so you know chill and um years later you know our management is coming to shows and they're like man you know, like reggae shows that we're playing on. Cause we're in this genre. We're in this, the reggae rock genre. And it's predominantly like rootsy bands, like slower chill bands and the punk rock part of it, the rock in the rock reggae, the reggae rock genre, the rock isn't as prevalent or dare I say, welcome as the reggae side, the more chill and, uh, laid back type. And, um, we were always that band and I'm always like, well, that's what we do. We're not like a roots band. We're not going to be a roots band. We're not going to be a tribal seeds, you know, or like a stick figure, you know, dub reggae. We're not like that. We'll do songs like that, you know, but overall just not our vibe. And, and I know like we, as like people, it's like, we'll get bored and, you know, um, this is what we do. This is our flavor. And, uh, we were getting in our own way. Um, and you know, it's kind of like self-sabotage in a way 
you, you're presented with this opportunity to play a reggae festival and you're going to go play, you know, the song that has that post hardcore metal breakdown in it, you know, and as fun as it is to play riddle with bullets from our detonate record, um, there's a time and a place, you know, and we were like, oh, fuck that. Like they're going to dig it. It'll be fine. People, you know, they can handle it, you know, but when you go to a reggae festival and everybody's expecting to like smoke weed and fuck chill and just kind of vibe. And then you do that. I mean, there's definitely, I'm looking out and I'm seeing appreciation, but with about 5% of the crowd, you know, like you got this other 95%. It's just like, what is happening? This is way too 11 a.m. You know, <laughs> it's 11 a.m. on a Sunday at Cali roots and you're, you're playing metal. Now we should probably get the trophy for being the only band to do that. Uh, they should make a trophy for us. Dan Sheehan, if you're out there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it was definitely a move that was like, and we did it at one love too in, in 2019. Um, you know, and that's what I'm saying. Like we were making these mistakes even a year ago, you know, and it was because of our pride and because of our, you know, fuck that. This is what we do. But then you got to think about like, well, we've got all these songs that um, are very popular and all our popular songs are the, are the laid back chill ones. Like <laughs> Riddle with Bullets isn't a popular song. I mean, it is, but it's not, it's not in our top 10. I'm not even sure if it's in our top, top 20. Maybe it is, but um, it works at a Ballyhoo show, but at a reggae festival, you got to put your best foot forward. You know, that's why when you go see like bands like 311 at a festival, they play Amber. They never play Amber at their regular shows, you know, but it's their biggest song. So when they go to a festival, you have to sort of meet the demand, you know, and you can be punk rock about it. You can, you can say, fuck it and go, go the other way. But ultimately it's counterproductive and you're gonna, you're wasting the opportunity to, you know, those songs are popular for a reason. This is, this is my philosophy on it. And this is something that, again, I've really just wrapped my brain around the last year or two. Those songs that are popular are popular for a reason. And the overall vibe is like, oh, these are all the chill songs. So when we go to play these festivals and things where there's like a bunch of people that haven't heard us before, or this Iration tour, for example, you know, this is... This is our second chance with with them and their crowd to play those songs, you know, because I, th- I believe that there's people that have heard of the band and maybe have heard a few of the songs and it's usually probably the, the popular ones. They're not listening to deep cuts. They don't know who we are. So play the songs because people want to sing along. You know, the worst thing you can do is play a bunch of new songs from your new record that just came out, you know, it's exciting for your for your big fans, but everybody else, they're just going to stand there and take it in and just kind of just stare at you. And like, it happens all the time. Like, it, it doesn't mean that, it's really hard to wrap your brain around this, but like, it doesn't mean that they don't like what they're hearing or it's like not impressive or whatever. It's, they don't know it. So they just stand there going, oh, okay, all right. And you really don't want 
more than one or two moments like that in a 45 minute set. You know, you want those people to be singing along and dancing the whole time as much as possible. And that means you got to play those popular songs that everybody fucking knows, even though you've played it 3000 times in the last 15 years, right? It's just a part of it. And you're doing yourself a disservice when you go out there and try to be all punk rock about it and and just play what you want to play. Ultimately, man, it's like, those are our songs. All the songs are our songs. These are just the most popular. Let's, let's make some headway. Let's make some new fans and let's get them on board. You know, that's what touring is. It's promo. It's promo. The, the music is to get them to the shows, like the Spotify and the CDs and all That's to get them to the show. But once you get them to the show, show them that you're fucking good, if not, you're just as good, if not better than the record. You're a great live band. Show them how fun you are and make people understand why other people have been on board the whole time, you know? Don't waste an opportunity. This could have been two episodes right here. This, this, I, I should totally go into this in another episode, but I could go on for hours about this. It's just so important to, to put your ego aside. You know, it's in your best interest to serve the fans. Play to the audience, you know, that you're playing for. Tailor your set for the type of show that you're playing. We are a band that can play any show. We can play any, we can play a punk rock show. We can play a reggae show. We can play a butt rock show. If you don't know what butt rock is, look it up. Um, you know, we can play any type of show. We, we opened up for Snoop Dogg and had a pretty good set. <laughs> 2015. Yeah, we opened for Snoop Dogg in North Carolina. Way di- different demographic. But you know what? Everybody had a great time. It was one of the weirdest but coolest shows we'd ever done. And I've had I've had worse shows in the reggae rock genre than that set opening for Snoop Dogg. You know what I'm saying? Like it it just worked for whatever reason. But take some time to think about who you're going to play for. If you get the opportunity to play with some band tailor your set and make it work. You're, you're not there to, to serve your own ego. You're there to, you're there to make more fans and get them to come to your show, which inevitably you will play those deep cuts. And you know what I mean? Get them hooked, get them fucking hooked and on board and, and then do whatever you want. All right. All right. So, well, that was a pretty good one. I think I got kind of deep there. Um, man, I may listen to this myself. Cause you know what? You gotta be a practitioner, you know, you gotta practice what you preach. And there's, there's definitely some times where I'm like not taking my own advice. So I may listen to this episode again to get myself pumped. <laughs> uh, Thanks everybody for listening. This is uh, it's been episode one hundred and three. We are two years in, baby. Um, 
two years ago today. Tales from the Green Room hit the airwaves. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for buying the merch. If you want to support the podcast, go to talesfromthegreenroom.com. Hit the support the podcast button. You can cancel one at any time. It's a monthly thing. Um, I do have shirts and things on the website. You can, you can go to howiespangler.com and you can look up the Tales from the Green Room merchandise. Anything I make goes right back into the pod. I'm just trying to make this thing better. Um, looking forward to having some more artists uh, join me along the way. Uh, hoping for another 100 episodes and beyond. Let me know what I should be talking about. Hit me up uh, Instagram, Howie Spangler. DM me. Let's chat. What's going on in your life? Uh, follow my YouTube channel. More acoustic stuff to come. I know I slack like a motherfucker when I'm on tour and I make excuses for why I'm not making videos, but I need to make more videos and I know that. Uh, I love you all. I'm going to uh, get off of here and hopefully there's no more snow and we can rock the show tomorrow night in Lombard. Grab tickets. Uh, got a lot of festivals coming up in Florida next month. Um, more music on the way. Lots to, lots to come. So, all right. I'm babbling. I love you all. Have a good night. <laughs>